Janae, I had something come up this week that I thought we could talk about. What's that, Mary? Well, I have a friend and he just turned 75 or he recently turned 75. Now, when he retired from work about 10 years ago, one of the things he wanted to do in retirement was to build an airplane. Wow. And so he built a plane and has been flying and it's a, it's a good plane. And he's been flying safely for the last maybe 10, 15 years. And after he turned 75, he got a letter in the mail saying, yeah, you can't fly that plane anymore. We're not going to give you any insurance for flying the plane. Oh, that's so sad. Right. So he called Purely his, because of his age. Just because of the number on the, on the paper, really, because he said he called his insurer and he says, can I go see, get a physical? Can I go do anything? And they said, no, that um, the only way they would insure him to fly would be if he always agreed to have another pilot in the, in the plane with him. And that wasn't a, the way they, a younger pilot, a younger pilot, someone younger than him. And that wasn't his vision. And, and of course they jacked his insurance rates up really high. And it reminded me of someone else I knew who was a pilot. He was a commercial pilot and he had the age of 60 and they forced him into retirement. They said, you don't fly after 60. Wow. Now, on the one hand, that could be a really good thing. Not having people who might have age related conditions flying but on the other hand, these were people who were in really good health, really good mental health, physical health. But because of the number on the page, they were deemed too old to be doing something that they were really expert at. With no credit given toward the years of experience mm -hmm. and dealing with other stressful situations while they were flying and, you know, their expertise. Right. Wow. So, and this got me thinking and going down the road, doing some exploration about all these different ways that we age. I mean, certainly at 50, I got my subscription to AARP. That's, I felt very mature. Always, always <laughs> a shock. <laughs> you know, and then 62, applying for social security. There are these numbers, these kind of these bureaucratic milestones that yes. they do just based on your age. You know, the next one on the horizon for me is 65 in Medicare. So I think there's part of aging that's purely chronological. Just you were born in this year. This is the year we're in. This is how old you are. And so statistically, we're going to assume that you have these particular needs or these particular challenges. Right. Simply by the numbers. Right. But, yeah. there's, but there really are different aspects of aging, which have a more important, I think, role in our aging process. Mm -hmm. like our biological age, our psychological age, or our social age. And I thought we could talk about that today. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. So really what we're talking about is different dimensions of aging. Because um, chronologically, I am 60 years old. But psychologically, sometimes I am 85 years old. And sometimes I am 40 years old. You know, it just depends on how I'm feeling, how my body is feeling more than anything. I remember reading something that said, you know, when you're talking to an old person, realize they still think they still feel young and they still think that they're coming across as a younger person. So if you immediately assume based on their chronological age or the color of their hair that they're going to be a certain way, it's hard. It's hard on them for their psychological health. Yes. And our society does that. You know, we really box people in and it's important to have that confidence within oneself 
Um, I mean, I, there's a, an older man who lives in our neighborhood and every day he takes his dog on a walk by riding, driving his hand powered lawnmower up and down various streets in the neighborhood. It's very funny. And he's got the happiest twinkle in his eye. And I would never, ever think of him as old because he's so young um, in his spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, and you think too, I'm going to go back to like to biological age, he may feel a little bit older in his body, the body doesn't keep up as well with the dog, it doesn't like to go on that long a walk, whatever his challenges with that. But the psychological age, you know, when they say you're only as old as you feel. Right, right. But I mean, do you ever feel old? Do I ever feel old? I don't know that I ever feel old. I look in the mirror, and I think sometimes I look old. Mm-hmm. Or we had a discussion the other day, um, my husband and I were having lunch and he had his glasses on and he looked down at my hand and said, what's wrong with your hand? And I said, why? And he goes, it looks so old. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's terrible. It was, I said, take off your glasses. Jeez. Don't, <laughs> don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> but you know, I had to, I had to confess it's like the back of my hand was kind of crepey and dry looking and, and did look really old. So I think there are parts of my body physicality that I look at and I think, Oh, that looks older than it should. Like looking up under my chin or oh, looking up there. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something um, oftentimes if I'm supervising students and they've got pictures of their clients and there is this menopausal body shape, this postmenopausal body shape that women have that you can kind of look and go, oh yeah, that's, that's, you know, she's probably in her sixties. <laughs> and, and then I look in the mirror and I go, oh, I'm developing that, that postmenopausal body shape. And not everybody has to have it. I mean, certainly there are people that don't move into that kind of body shape, but a lot of women do. It's, it's like, it takes a lot of work not to move into this body shape. So I think. But can you just let's stay on that for just a moment? Cause mm-hmm. I know lots of us are going to wonder as I am, what is that body shape? <laughs> it becomes a little bit blockier. So um, typically when you think of a woman in reproductive years, there's more of that hourglass kind of shape where the waist comes in and the hips are out. And as women go into menopause, the waist no longer comes in. It just kind of, everything kind of settles. So if they were a nice hourglass shape, now they're kind of a rectangle that they end up having a little bit. So more like a refrigerator. Yes. Okay. Yes. But not a a large, overly built refrigerator. I mean, they still have (laughs) it but they're going to look a little bit more solid you know it got just it. is they lose some of that estrogen driven softness got it okay goes. good to so, know yeah it's just it's just a different shape or you could you could probably take a look through some pictures of friends who are in their late 50s 60s and you'll start to see that they all tend to have the same kind of body shape mm-hmm. and so i think there are certainly some physiological changes that happen that i don't feel until i look in the mirror and then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Right. Um, and maybe, I guess, another place I might feel old is, I think we've talked before about aches and pains. Yes. That might come up that we're, you know, we go to take a long walk one day just because we're in the mood and it feels great. And the next day we can't move so well. And we say, okay, well, this is now I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah, that's really where um, I notice I start defining myself as old is when I have the aches and the pains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I... You know, I don't have to do that. Yeah. Like 
I don't have to attach meaning to body pain. And I think we've even talked about this before. Like 20-year-olds can have body pain and not go, oh, I'm so old. Exactly. And I know we talked about this before, but it came up this morning. I was talking to a student and he had seen a 26-year-old who was seeing him as a client. And she had had an injury seven years ago. So when she was 19, and she still had a lot of pain from this. She had to do a lot of stretching and her back hurt. And I was just thinking, she's 26. She should have recovered from that so quickly. You know, you want to hear pain. Let me tell you about pain. (laughs) So I think there's a part of it that um, we forget that we might have complained about this stuff in our 20s and our 30s. It's just now it is that harbinger of doom. It's that we're on our last legs. Yes. Yeah. And it's just so associated with being old. Mm -hmm. It certainly is. Yeah. I mean, and so, I mean, there are the bio, there's biological aging, which are the physical changes that slow us down, you know, clogged arteries, problems with lungs that make it hard to breathe. Right. I mean, for me, it's some, currently it's certain, it's just some muscle in my left buttock, you know, I mean, it's just like, Things have, but uh, come to think of it, that's been bothering me on and off for 20 years. And here I am identifying mm-hmm. it with old. So, you know, there we go. Yeah. So, I mean, then we move into the psychological age where we, we say, well, because I have that, I'm old or just, right. it's, it's, it's not only our mental functioning and our personality, but it's what we identify as. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and that's it. And I think a part of it has to do with whether we're looking forward or looking backward. I think when we're young and we have a pain, we don't, we don't associate it with, you know, oh, I'm aging. It's just, that's the way life is. And I'm going to work with this thing and I'm going to keep going because I'm moving forward in my life. And we get to this place and all of a sudden we're looking backwards or we're, we're kind of afraid to look forward because, oh my gosh, that's scary. (laughs) So we look backward and we go, oh, remember, you know, we forget all the pain from the past. It's like, oh my God, I was so youthful and I had such energy and I had no body pain, but we probably did have our share of days when we didn't have any energy and when we did have body pain. Yeah, we probably did. And I I think you have nailed it for me anyway. It's, it's like, oh my God, now that I'm 60, is this going to be with me forever? Mm -hmm. You know, am I forever going to have to deal with this stupid pain that makes it hard to walk and hard to sit long and, you know, and like Byron Katie says, she says, we look to the, when, when we're feeling regret or guilt, we're looking backward. When we feel fear, we're looking forward. And uh, yeah, looking forward at the years to come with fear. Boy, mm-hmm. I don't want to live that way. Well, see, and I think this is a big part of psychological aging. If we feel that we still have things to look forward to, that there's still our best times are ahead of us, or that at least we will have really good times ahead of us, if not the best times, then we're going to approach the next moment with an open heart, with open mind. We've talked about openness, but if my, if I'm so attached, if I am fearful, or if my pain is so great, if I have something that's pulling me out of this present moment, um, then it makes it really hard. And I think that idea of regret, I think there's a lot of regret that comes up as we age because you know, if only, right? If if only I had done this differently, then maybe I'd be in a different position right now, or I should have made this change five years ago, and now it's too late, and blah, 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 all the stories we tell ourselves. Yes, blah, 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 yeah. lots of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just read recently, um, you know, anytime we hash over something we regretted, something we regret, 
uh, our body has the same physiological response that it had in that moment. It's like, why would we do that to ourselves over and over and over again? Well, you know, and it is, it's, it's kind of that becoming self-aware in the moment and saying, oh, I can make a choice. There was something that I think will make a wonderful podcast. Let's see if I can find the quote. I, we have no control over what happens in life. We can only control how we react to it. And I want to do a, a broader podcast about that. But I think for our psychological health, that is a really psychologically healthy way to approach things is not to be lamenting that something happened, but to be kind of circumspect in how we're going to approach it, how we're going to deal with it, how are we going to process it, how are we going to let go of it? Yes, agreed, agreed. And I, I mean, I, again, I, I see my older neighbor riding that lawnmower around the neighborhood and just the happiest, happiest person. It's like he's dealing with the fact that he can't move very well and he's chosen to be happy about it. So mm-hmm. you're right. That is the one thing we really can control. That's the only thing we control is our attitude and how we approach it. And I think when our attitude, we have an attitude of gratitude you know, or we have an attitude of at least peacefulness and contentment or acceptance, then we're going to be happier psychologically, Yes, which is going to help us to feel younger. And it's going to actually slow down our biological aging. We're going to keep this body younger because we're going to be taking care of it. We're not looking at it from that fatalistic, you know, it's one foot in the grave. So why bother? That's a good point that there, um, all these dimensions of aging are so interrelated. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing we can do about being chronologically older, but <laughs> all the others, you know, the biological, the psychological and the social, we can really do something about. Well, let's talk let's, about the social. Yes, let's do. What do you social. think social aging means? Well, it refers to changes in a person's roles and relationships, you know, both in our network of our relatives and friends and like most more formal organizations. I mean, I'm thinking about my mother-in-law. She was in her 90s and she would go to church and she became slowly but surely over the years the elder of the church. And um, because she slowly got older and others died and um, that she was very respected and a little bit patronized. That, that's what I picked up when I went to church with her. So, you know, just socially how our roles and how people's perspectives of us change. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I see happen with, with people, maybe with myself and with other people, is this increase in isolation. Yes, that we tend to pull back from social engagements, maybe because we don't want to drive at night or because uh, we, maybe we feel awkward because we'll be the oldest person in the room, um, you know, whatever we project out there into the, into the world. And so we opt to stay home. We get very set in our patterns. Maybe we like going to bed earlier, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, but this, can, but this can impact socialization. It can impact our ability to be around other people. And I remember from my study in dementia that um, that's one of the factors with dementia is people who had active social engagement were less likely to be become and develop Alzheimer's. Yes. And now with the isolation around COVID, I, mm-hmm. I think it's been just terribly destructive for our older people. Well, and they've um, got the double whammy. They've got the chronological age, which puts them at higher risk for COVID. Yes. They've got, if they're faced with fear or that psychological fear of aging, that's going to kind of set their immune system on high alert. And then there's the social isolation, which, you know, just more contributes to the 
negative impact of psychological aging. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking about one of my aunts who in her later years developed Parkinson's um, and she stopped interacting with us because she shook and she was terribly, terribly ashamed of that. So she just withdrew and we didn't see her anymore. And, you know, I, when I, because I have had times, cause I, I haven't had the easiest body um, to, to live with. And I've had times where I've limped or, you know, had to walk with a funny gait or whatever, just because of various aches or pains. And when I see somebody walking out in society in a funny way or an older person hunched over using a walker or whatever it is, what I see is a very courageous soul. Mm-hmm. It takes courage to go out in our society, which puts so much emphasis on being normal, on conformity and being young, you know, and they can go out there. Those people go out there and say, no, this is how I do it. And it's different and it's slow. And it's, you know, just what courage they have. And I, I, I just wish we could all see them that way. That's a really good point because people who are differently abled, it's, they do feel self-conscious and they do become an object of staring and of speculation about what's going on. And I think there's this desire there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, there's this desire to kind of look away and think, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to invite that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I remember on a Jerry Seinfeld episode, Elaine was protesting about what a good person she was and one of the one of the examples she used was that she would look freaks in the eye when she ran into them on the street (laughs) (laughs) two steps forward one step backward (laughs) yes so yeah I mean social aging is really influenced by the perception of aging that is the society we are in Mm-hmm. And so how does our society perceive aging, Mary? Our society perceives aging as people losing their mind, losing control of their body. Um, they, we shuttle people off into nursing homes or memory care facilities or assisted living or things like that. I think it's, I don't know, a little bit like Logan's Run. And I guess that we're all old enough to have remembered Logan's Run, which is a science fiction movie where everybody over 30 is killed. <laughs> It's when you hit 30, there's a ceremony held for you as you are euthanized because you have reached the age at which you are no longer useful to their society. And I I don't think that we're at the age of 30. I think we're quickly approaching the age of about 70 that people are, you know, I look at my friend who's 75, can't fly anymore. Or, you know, there's this, there's this imaginary line that we cross and then we then become old enough to be put out to pasture you know you should be out you should be out playing golf you should not you know and what does that imply it means we don't shouldn't have to see you here true and and it implies that you are useless and feeble Mm -hmm. and so maybe it's 80 maybe 80 is the new 70 but i think there is a point of um really older people are not supposed to be out uh being sexual they're not supposed to be romantic they're not supposed to be fit or competing with younger people um, they should be acting their age. Maybe that's our, our issue. People trying to get us to act our age, which psychologically the person may feel that they're in their forties and physiologically, they may have the body of someone 20 years younger. 
have the fitness level of someone 20 years younger, but because of appearances on the surface of the shifts the body has, has gone through or because of prejudices, they may be subject to some degree of ridicule. Yeah. And so how do we withstand this societal pressure upon us as we advance into those years? I think I'm going to come back to social aging. I think it's really important to cultivate strong relationships with others who are in that and support other people who are also aging and allow oneself to be seen where your aunt was having the Parkinson's issue and she's the one who would not allow herself to be seen. It wasn't other people, you know, preventing her from being seen. But I think it's important to, to bring ourselves back into communities and COVID withstanding, you know, once we can be back in communities to go out and dance in the streets when there's a street fair or to, to go to the events that your city has, that it's that sense of I'm still living and I'm still enjoying life. And the more we're seen doing that, the more it normalizes that the only thing we are is a few chronological years ahead, whereas our physiological, our social and our psychological age is just a, you know, a fiction. It's um, an idea that we have about ourselves. And there are so many gifts that having lived this many years can give us. I mean, mm -hmm. when we're dancing on the street, we just don't care as much what other people <laughs> think of us, right? You know, yeah. We're older and we have more insurance. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's just that sort of thing. And so, you know, not only are we standing up against societal pressure, but we're, we're modeling to the younger people how you can age more joyfully. Mm -hmm. So we can think of this as our civic duty. <laughs> That's it. We have an obligation to get out there and dance in the streets. <laughs> My friend calls it not retirement, but inspirement. Inspirement. Because I think the more that we see this, the more we see people reinventing themselves as they age and go in, say they go through retirement and they've found new businesses, they start a new interest, they start a new hobby, they learn something new. I think that we continue to educate everyone around us that this is what aging is. Aging is not pulling back from society. It is embracing how we might have some physical limitations at this time of our life, like your neighbor on the lawnmower, but there are ways in which we can continue to thrive regardless yes. of our age. Yes. And finding those ways, not just giving up, you know, not being my aunt and just withdrawing in shame, but finding those ways that the more, because we are in great numbers aging, you know, the boomers getting older, there are more and more people looking into, well, how do we age successfully, you know, tricks and gadgets and um, a lot of really fun ideas that when we could maybe do a podcast on that sometime. Um, but yeah, so like being open to not, not that it's over, but how to find a workaround. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I find a workaround for me, I'm going to support other people with that same kind of workaround. And pretty soon it becomes normalized. It's not a workaround. It's just the way it is. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you look at, but we'll say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what this means. This means you and I are going to have to go dance on the streets. <laughs> as soon as they lift the restrictions and put a nice band out there. I think it's Zydeco. <laughs> 
Wouldn't that be fun? I'm, I'm totally in for it. Even if I have to mask and social distance, could still be. Yes, could still be. A Whatever it takes. If we, if we, if we mask, they can't see our wrinkles as easily. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I think about my. Um, I mean, my mother-in-law often comes up when I think about models of aging because she would dance. Like I remember, we we were at a restaurant one time, and there was a guy on the piano, and she just got up and she just started moving around, and you know, she wasn't a. She couldn't move that well, but she swayed forward and back and took steps here and there. And it was beautiful. It was just like a little dance of joy. Mm -hmm. And that stays with me. That's like, oh, I can do that too. Right. Well, I hope we all can. Just because we reach a chronological age, we can look at that as a number on a piece of paper. That's all it is. Our biological age, our psychological age, and even our social age are much more under our control. They absolutely are. And as we work on one, it affects the other, which affects the other. So pull one out. If it's like social, you want to work on, you know, have, get cultivate some more relationships. When things start to free up COVID wise, get involved in a class or a group or whatever it is, you know, and um, psychologically, I think it's real important for us to be aware of the self-talk yeah yeah and work with that too. play with that well thank you Jenny. Oh. this has been a really good conversation was there anything thank you, you Mary. Add? yeah i want to add that i think that you are beautiful and youthful looking and you know the the truth of it is i think that every age has its own beauty yeah and um, I, and as we continue to look for that in ourselves and others, um, I mean, even when I say it, I can kind of feel my biological aging lightening up. <laughs> Going back. Really, I think our biological aging is so much dependent on our psychological. You know, how does the mind perceive the shifts we're going through and how do we, how do we cultivate that level of self-love regardless of our age? Yeah. Yeah. So find the beauty and the gifts in every age. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for listening in and hearing our conversation on these dimensions of aging. And we invite you to take a look at our other podcasts. And to share it with your friends. Oh, yeah, please do. And let us know what you think. If you want to send us a note, you can see us on, find us on Facebook. Uh, it is Aging Gracefully Podcast. Yes, it is. Okay, thank right. you, everyone. This is Mary Thompson. And Janae Anderson signing off.